0: a message from your down here in Radioland. Now's the time for action. Our society is running to its core. I'm talking about a fine standing person. I've got the warfare. I've got the jobs pulled out for me. Yeah, you, you know what to do. Now's the time. Do it! Whether acknowledged or not, you find yourself engaged in a relentless spiritual war. Irrespective of your awareness, an unseen adversary seeks to destroy you, not only in this life, but also in the next. Regardless of your location on this planet, you reside in a fiercely contested battlefield, and escaping this conflict feels impossible. Welcome to Truth and Shadow, your guide through the supernatural. I am your host, BT, and this is a Shadow Short. Let's navigate the unknown on this brief journey into the depths of mystery. In our previous spiritual warfare episode, we spoke of the armor of Christ in our defense against the sinister forces. We are not merely called to defend ourselves alone, but to be trained, ready, and equipped to fight back. In this episode, I will cover the weapons of battle in our warfare against the darkness. We will discuss prayer, fasting, reading scripture, but our weapons are more manifold than this. In numerous instances, St. Paul conveyed to the believers entrusted in his care that divine forces had equipped them with tools for confronting the spiritual conflicts enveloping them. These battles, he emphasized, transcend earthly realms, bearing celestial potency capable of dismantling formidable obstacles. What are God's weapons bestowed upon us to overcome our adversaries? Crucial in the arsenal of spiritual warriors, as emphasized by Paul, is the practice of unwavering prayer, including petitions and supplications. We are to remain steadfast in spirit, vigilant in perseverance, and consistent in seeking divine intervention. The scriptures affirm that the fervent prayers of the righteous wield significant power. Hence, when our Lord instructed us to pray, the plea, deliver us from evil, holds profound meaning signifying protection from the influence of the evil one, namely, the devil. Both scripture and the lives of the saints affirm what should be evident. Prayer is the indispensable weapon in our struggle against the unseen. When evil forces attempt to sow discord, deception, accusations, and doubts, it's time to involve a third party in the conversation through prayer. Additionally, we must wield the weapon of prayer on behalf of others, St. Paul's call to prayer for the saints pertains not to perfected beings in heaven. They don't require our prayers, but to fellow Christians on earth engaged in the ongoing battle and in desperate need of our intercession. In spiritual battles, the name of Jesus is a powerful weapon. As Jesus affirmed, his followers hold the authority to cast out demons. And St. Paul underscores this authority, declaring that in the name of Jesus... Every entity must bow across all the realms, from the heavenly to the earthly and below. Throughout the annals of time, the saints have borne witness to the mighty force encapsulated in Jesus' name, a mere utterance compelling dark forces to retreat in fear of the conqueror of Calvary. Acknowledging this, the Church offers an array of prayers meticulously crafted for spiritual warfare. In contrast, even common prayers can be invoked with the battlefield of the spirit in mind. Prayer extends beyond the individual realm, engaging in collective prayer, not just for others, but alongside others, holds a significant role in spiritual warfare. You see, we call this worship, and it's the most profound communal prayer and powerful spiritual weapon. When we join together in church and worshiping God, we compellingly access His presence causing demons to tremble and hesitate to come near to us. Those sinister forces may attempt to tempt and distract us from even going to communal prayer and communal worship, but fully immersing ourselves in the act of worship with others leaves little room for their influence. True worship directs our focus to God, praising him for his essence and expressing gratitude for his deeds. In this state, The provocations and enticements of the enemy lose their power. In our moments of private worship, we can elevate our hearts to God through hymns that inspire and guide us in spiritual warfare. The Psalms resonating with the essence of battle are penned under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, transforming the entire book into a powerful weapon of prayer and worship. In sacred scripture, fasting enhances the potency of prayer particularly during spiritual warfare. In the Old Testament, Isaiah was instructed by the Lord that a properly undertaken fast could break the bonds of wickedness, undo yokes, and liberate the oppressed. The book of Daniel recounts a moment when the prophet, in fervent prayer and while fasting, sought the deliverance of his people. After three weeks, the angel Gabriel appeared, revealing that his words had been heard from the very first day of Daniel's humble and fasting-induced prayer. In response, God dispatched the archangel Michael to engage in spiritual warfare against the demonic power identified as the prince of the kingdom of Persia, allowing the second angel to fulfill his mission. In the New Testament, Jesus exemplified the power of fasting during his 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, preparing for his encounter with Satan's temptation. Moreover, when the disciples faced difficulty casting out a demon from a possessed boy, Jesus conveyed that such challenges could only be overcome through prayer and fasting. Next, some noteworthy elements to consider are what we term sacramentals. These sacred signs resemble the sacraments, signifying spiritual effects obtained through the Church's intercession. Sacramentals allow us to receive the primary impact of the sacraments and sanctify various occasions in life. Sacramentals encompass actions like the sign of the cross or blessings and blessed objects such as holy water, oil, salt, candles, incense, crucifixes, and even religious images. While sacramentals don't directly confer the grace of the Holy Spirit as sacraments do, the prayers of the Church, associated with these actions and objects, prepare us to receive grace and encourage us to cooperate with it. Throughout history, Christians have acknowledged the potency of the Church's intercession, prominently expressed through sacramentals of which, the ministry of exorcism is the most potent, wherein the Church, invoking the name of Jesus Christ publicly and authoritatively, shields a person or object against the sinister forces, forcing them back into their own domain. St. Athanasius had proposed that before Christ's arrival, demons exploited pagan beliefs, deceiving them through oracles. However, by the 4th century, After the divine appearance of Christ in the first, the use of the cross became a safeguard, putting an end to these deceptions. It suggests this shift from supernatural manipulation to a symbol of protection and truth. We must always remember the power of the cross. Respect for it will protect you against the sinister forces. Over the centuries, the testimony of countless Christians attests that objects blessed through the church's intercession can repel the evil one. Evil spirits time and again recoil and dread not only from the sign of the cross, but also from holy water, oil, crosses, crucifixes, and other metals, depicting saints. Candles and even salt when blessed share in this protective power. One notable item that I routinely keep at hand is the Medal of St. Benedict, and these bear the initial letters of the Latin words from the ancient prayer against evil on the reverse side, compelling Satan to drink the poison himself. Before delving into the last point, I would like to shed some light on what are known as the sacraments. Their origin is a divine tool instituted by Christ to impart grace. And the purpose of this grace is to reshape us into the image of Christ, ensuring a secure journey home to heaven. It is no coincidence that sinister forces and the evil one himself vehemently oppose them. They work to convince us that we can discard them. Baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist serve as the threefold sacraments of initiation, Baptism itself frees us and delivers us from the clutches of the evil realm. Through this ritual, we undergo purification, justification, sanctification, and adoption into God's family. As highlighted in Galatians 3.27, essentially, we put on Christ. Hence, it's not unexpected that an exorcism prayer is linked with baptism. The prayer says, Almighty and ever-living God, you sent your only Son into the world to cast out the power of Satan's spirit to rescue man from the kingdom of darkness and bring him into the splendor of your kingdom of light, End Confirmation, in essence, is a sacrament aimed at fortifying. It involves a powerful arrival of the Holy Spirit into the recipient. This spirit, this Holy Spirit, strengthens us as soldiers of Christ, amplifying and deepening the graces initially bestowed upon us during baptism. The third sacrament, the Eucharist, Is pivotal in our worship and our defense against the devil's schemes. Serving as the heart of the service, it embodies God's triumphant power in the lives, serving as the heart of the service, it embodies God's triumphant power in our lives through the victory of Jesus Christ over Satan in his passion, death, and resurrection. This is the last thing, and it is the most crucial spiritual weapon, and I saved it for the last. It is reading Holy Scripture. Whether you recognize the 66-book canon or the 73-book version, the Bible is a sword piercing the enemy's armor. Reflecting on the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, we see that each attack was met with the counterforce of God's Word. Therefore, a key strategy in spiritual warfare is immersing ourselves in Scripture, attentively listening to readings, meditating deeply, reading the bible ourselves daily and memorizing texts to employ against temptation following the example of our lord in the wilderness if the devil should try to tempt us to doubt god's faithfulness we can reply god is trustworthy by him i was called into fellowship with his son 1 corinthians chapter 1 verse 9 if he tries to frighten us we can say, the accuser of our brethren has been cast down. Revelations chapter 12, verse 9. If he tries to frighten us, we can say, the Lord is my shepherd. I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, verses 1 and 4. And if he tries to provoke us, we can recount Isaiah 26, verse 3, which says, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, Father. In closing, I offer a powerful prayer, a reading of Psalm 91 or 90, depending on how your Bible numbers the text. It's a Psalm of David. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. For He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence, He will cover you in his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You shall not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked." because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your habitation. No evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent, for he will give you his angels' charge of you to guard you in all of your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he cleaves to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him, because he knows my name. When he calls me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. And before we go, one final note. After the outro, I will leave you this Gregorian chant of the Psalm 90 or 91, depending on how it's counted in your Bible in Latin, sung in E4 with a pitch range of D4 to B4. Thank you for listening. This is a free podcast based upon the value-for-value model. If you find value in this, or any episode, you can return that value by liking the show subscribing to this channel, leaving a review, or sharing with a friend on your social media accounts. You can also donate on my website. Thank you again. This is BT for Truth and Shadow Podcast. You are the light in the darkness. Me
1: stay What do you Thank mm-hmm. you. a <tose> no